noon. So here we are almost at the end of October, shoveling snow, uh, wearing our winter coats, um, and uh, enjoying Minnesota weather. Uh, glad you can be here with us. Um, and uh, we'll look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21 together. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. For God so loved the world. And, uh, uh, we'll talk about probably the most famous verse in the Bible today. John three sixteen. 16. Um, let me pray and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can be here to, to study your word. We pray that you speak to us. Speak to us of your great love. Speak to us of um, the mission that Jesus came to this world for, uh, that our hearts would align with your purpose for sending Jesus. Help us to love him and uh, live for his glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the last two weeks we talked about in the preceding passages before this, um, something old becoming something new, right? We talked about how old purification water was replaced by the new wine in Jesus Christ. Then we saw the old temple being replaced by the new temple in Jesus Christ. And now this passage, kind of following that theme, is about the new birth um, through the gift of God's only Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, and um, so uh, we'll look at this passage. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty familiar story for us if you've grown up going to church. But um, I learned some things, some new things, studying this passage that I had never realized before, some mind-blowing things. Um, and so we'll get to some of those things. Let's okay, uh, um, hope that cause some interest for you. Okay, so three points. First, unless one is born again. Unless one is born again. Verse 1 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now Nicodemus, we're told, was a Pharisee. And that means that he knew the scriptures. We're also told that he was a ruler of the Jews, meaning he was a member of the Jewish council, and uh, later on in verse 10, Jesus calls Nicodemus the teacher of Israel. So, so Nicodemus is a, a great theologian among Pharisees, okay? among people who knew the scriptures, uh, a teacher of Israel. Obviously, Nicodemus was a highly educated man, a highly influential man, uh, a ruler among the Jews. But again, verse 1 says, now there was a man. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Okay, so Nicodemus, highly educated, highly influential, but at the end of the day, he was still just a man. If you remember, this passage comes right after the previous verses that we looked at last week that said many people believed in Jesus because they saw miraculous signs. And then it says, but Jesus didn't entrust himself to them. 
Many people believed in Jesus, but he didn't believe in them. He didn't entrust himself to them because he knew what was in man. And now, right after that is the account of Nicodemus. Right after that, John starts out by saying, now there was a man, right? So Nicodemus is an example of such a man who Jesus could not trust. Nicodemus is an example of someone who was curious because he saw signs that Jesus was performing. Um, but at the end of the day, he was a man. So despite all his credentials, despite all his accomplishments, he was a man that Jesus could not trust. At the end of the day, he was a man who needed Jesus Christ. Verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He came covertly at night. Uh, that's an interesting detail that John includes, right? This man came to Jesus by night, possibly to avoid being seen by others. But um, later on in this passage, John makes the light and darkness comparison. So it's more likely that John intentionally includes this detail that Nicodemus came by night to show that Nicodemus was in spiritual darkness. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is interesting because Jesus, Nicodemus didn't even ask a question, right? He said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher from God. And then it says, Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him because he knew exactly what was in the heart of man. He knew what Nicodemus needed. Jesus tells Nicodemus about the need to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now, the word again, when it, when it says you need to be born again, unless one is born again. Uh, so here's one of the things I learned. The word again could mean again, born again, or it could mean born from above. The word again could be translated from above. So uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, born from God, born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, it could be translated either ways, unclear. Nicodemus obviously takes it to mean again, born a second time, because right after Jesus says this, he says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, so Nicodemus takes the word again to mean again, but Jesus seems to imply that he meant more than being reborn. Because Jesus' response in the next verse, in verse 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And again, later on in verse 8, he repeats, being born of the spirit. So it seems like Jesus, maybe he has a dual meaning in mind. You must be born not only a second time, but you must be born from above, born of God, born of the spirit. Now, there's another word here that's debated. And that's when Jesus says, unless one is born 
of water and the spirit. Now, that word water, what is that water referring to? And that's kind of like actually debate, debated among many theologians. Some say that water is referring to baptism. You must be baptized and uh, be born of the spirit. Some say water is referring to cleansing, and that's based on the symbolic usage of the word water in the Old Testament. Some say water is referring to the amniotic fluid of the womb. And, um, and I think based on the flow of the text, the water in the mother's womb seems to fit the context the best. Because right after, right, I mean, right before, Nicodemus mentions the womb, right? And then right after Nicodemus mentions the womb, Jesus says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And then right after, Jesus continues in the next verse uh, with born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. So it seems like what Jesus is saying is there is another way to be born. Everyone is born physically from the womb, but you must also be born spiritually of the Spirit. Just like a person can... Uh, come alive physically, the Holy Spirit must make a person come alive spiritually. Um, we can illustrate it in this way. If I said to you, this restaurant has the best egg rolls. It's so amazing. It's called Quebec, <laughs> which I talked about before, right? This restaurant has the best egg rolls. Now, even if you have never been to that particular restaurant, even if you've never tasted those egg rolls, when I say to you, wow, they have the best egg rolls, you can kind of imagine how it might, it might taste. Why? Because you have some sort of a frame of reference, right? You have tasted good food before. And that's why when I say, oh, this food is amazing, you can kind of like gauge with your past experience and kind of have a framework to imagine what it might taste like. But that would not be the case if you had no taste buds at all. You wouldn't be able to explain how great something tastes to someone who has no taste buds. That's what's going on here. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is trying to show the kingdom of God to someone who has no spiritual eyes. And he says, unless you're born spiritually, you cannot see spiritual things. Born again or born from above, what we're saying here does not mean that you have to fix a few things about yourself that's lacking. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit. No, it's not saying that you have some frame of reference of like what kind of person you have to be and you have to adjust yourself to be right before God. That's not what it's saying. Because think about it, even Nicodemus, with all his knowledge and understanding, with all his prestige and position, it was still not enough to enter the kingdom of God. He couldn't just modify himself to see the kingdom of God. Born from above means God has to actually regenerate you into an entirely new person. 
He has to take someone who cannot see and make him see. Someone who cannot taste and make him taste. Someone who is not spiritually alive and make him come alive. And we would also say that even, even in the process of becoming like Jesus, right? Not only uh, in the moment of first seeing Jesus, but even in the process of becoming like Jesus, this truth applies. Because a lot of times we act like um, we act like people who are born with spiritual taste buds, right? We feel like a lot of times we kind of take it upon ourselves. We feel like, oh, I should know better. I should be better. I should do better. But how it works in the process of becoming like Jesus is the same as how it works the moment you see Jesus for the first time. Unless the Spirit works in you, you cannot. That's why every day we need to pray. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Grant to me spiritual taste buds for spiritual things. Because otherwise I cannot. I cannot be better. I cannot do better. I cannot become on my own strength. Unless one is born again. Secondly, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus continues in verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus is still like, trying to minister to Nicodemus, trying to help him understand. And, uh, and Jesus is now using this the wind illustration to show how the Spirit works. Uh, because the word wind and Spirit are the same uh, word in Greek. In the original word, the wind and Spirit are the same word. And so Jesus is using that as an illustration to show how the Spirit works. And uh, what he's saying is, we believe in things that we cannot physically see with our eyes. And the wind is a perfect example of that. We don't see the wind. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it goes. But we know the wind is there because we see the effects of what wind does. And so it is with the Spirit. When a person is born of the Spirit, it's not visible like being born of the womb. But spiritual birth is just as real. Because just like the wind, we can see the effects, the effects of spiritual birth through the person's life. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? Yet and yet you do not understand these things? So Nicodemus can't see. Jesus is trying to explain. Nicodemus can't see. Actually proving what Jesus just said, that unless you're born of the Spirit, you cannot see. Verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. We have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, 
except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Nicodemus basically um, doesn't believe Jesus, right? Like, how can these things be? It's just too unbelievable. Nicodemus is like many of us. Like, we object to heavenly things that we don't understand even when someone from heaven tries to explain it to us. It's kind of like, I, I just randomly, I thought of Morocco. I don't know why. Let's say someone from Morocco came to us and told us, this is how things work in Morocco. And we from America, who have no idea about anything in Morocco, hear those things that are so different, so, so strange to us, and so we object, right? How can that be? That cannot be true. Right? That cannot be true of how things work in Morocco. And that's what Jesus is saying. You do not receive our testimony. And then Jesus says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus said a person must be born from above to enter the kingdom of God. And now he's telling Nicodemus, who's having a hard time understanding, who doesn't believe, now he's telling Nicodemus how to be born of God. And this is a reference to what happened to Israel in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 to 9. The Israelites complained before God in the wilderness, so the Lord sent serpents that bit the people, causing them to die. Then they cry out to God, they cry out to Moses, and then in, in God's mercy, the Lord provides a bronze serpent, a serpent made of bronze on a pole. And then everyone who was bitten just by seeing the bronze serpent was able to live. And Jesus says, just as the Israelites were granted physical life by God, spiritual life is a gift of God's grace just by seeing, uh, seeing, just by believing in the Son of Man. And through the words, lifted up, Jesus is foreshadowing the suffering of the cross and his final exaltation. Whoever believes, whoever sees the, the lifted up Son of God on the cross, whoever believes in the saving work of Jesus through his death and resurrection, will be granted eternal life. The World Series is going on now. Anyone see last night's game? Crazy game. Crazy ending to that game. Very distracting when a game like that is going on when I need to prepare for Sunday. But anyway, I actually saw... Okay, so anyway. Whenever, you know, these kind of sporting events are going happening and, and when your team is down... They actually have people in the stands in the World Series right now, like a limited number of people. But when your team is down, people come to the ballpark with signs that say, what? Just believe. I mean, okay, so like it's a best out of seven series. Your, your team might be down three to one, and then people are holding up signs. Just believe. What in the world does that mean? Just believe you will win and you will win? 
Because there are plenty of times when you believe and you lose. So we all know that that's how it works in this world, right? You know that the words just believe are empty words. That's why it's so hard for us to believe in anything in this world. Even That's why it's so hard for us to even believe in the gospel when it says, just believe in Jesus and you'll have eternal life. It's so difficult for us to, to, to take that and believe that because we've been so disappointed before. Because nothing like nothing in this world works like that. Maybe one time, at one point in your life, you believed in Santa Claus. And then that ended up in disappointment. At one point, you thought the tooth fairy actually came and squeezed that cash under your pillow. But you later on found out that that was just your mom. And every, other, every person in this world that you believed in actually ended up letting you down. So it's difficult for us to hear these words. Believe. Believe in the Son of Man. You have eternal life. How can what Jesus is saying here actually be true? But that's the thing. That's why eternal life is a gift. It's a gift of God's grace. Because whoever believes, simply by looking at the Son of God on the cross and believing in what He accomplished through His being lifted up, His death and resurrection, whoever believes will have eternal life. Finally, thirdly, not perish, but have eternal life. Now, um, here's another thing that I learned. Uh, the rest of this section, right, from verses 16 through 21, are still in red letters in the ESV. If you have your Bibles, um, that section in verses 16 through 21, which includes John 3:16 are written in red letters, suggesting that Jesus is still speaking. But linguistically, the style of this section seems to suggest that this is more likely John's commentary on what Jesus just said. So what that means is John 3.16, which I thought Jesus spoke my whole life. I thought John 3.16 was Jesus' words. Is actually John commenting on what Jesus just said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John begins explaining what Jesus just said by saying, all this was because of God's love. For God so loved the world. God didn't just merely love the world. He so loved the world the great intensity of God's love. He so loved the world. And because God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So God's great love prompted his great gift. God gave the most he could give, his one and only son, his unique and beloved son. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And the word perish that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Perish is held in contrast to eternal life. So perish 
is eternal death. Eternal life, forever life, fullness of life, eternal life, eternal death, forever condemnation, eternal death. The purpose for which God sent his only son was to give us eternal life, not eternal death. And then John explains this further, verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but, to, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed the name of his only son, of the only son of God. So God's mission for Jesus was a mission of love because Jesus didn't come into a neutral situation, right? It's not like he came to a neutral situation where only the bad people perish. John says the entire world was already under eternal condemnation. Whoever does not believe, which is the entire world, whoever does not believe is condemned already. Condemned or perish, those are words that communicate being under the holy wrath of God for eternity. And that's what the entire world was already under. And John says, God sent his son that we might be saved. So not a neutral situation where he was just trying to uh, alleviate um, uh, a neutral situation. He says, everyone was already condemned. God sent his son that we might be saved from that condemnation. In other words, God's son is a gift of love is a gift of God's loving grace. Verse 19, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Whatever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, reflecting the darkness of his life apart from Jesus. But he came to Jesus, the light of the world, who exposed the darkness under which he lived, and that was the only chance he had to be saved. There was no other way to be saved and there was no way that he could be saved while enjoying the evil of the darkness. And it seems like that's what happened because Nicodemus later on appears in John chapter 19 uh, when he and Joseph of Arimathea comes and take Jesus, takes Jesus' body to prepare for burial. And now John is saying, we need to come to Jesus and allow the light to expose the evil in our own hearts. Um, 
let's kind of wrap up with this story. One day this week, our youngest had uh, an epiphany of sorts. Uh, just randomly, out of the blue, he goes, so this is like bedtime, you know, and I guess usually before bedtime, that's like when you become really reflective, thinking about your day, thinking about your life. Randomly out of the blue, in, like before he's going to see, he goes, after my brothers all go to college, I'm going to be here all by myself. He goes, right now, when I wake up in the morning, it's just so loud. But when you guys all go to college, and my brothers all go to college, it's going to be so quiet. And then he kept saying, wow, that's so weird. That's so weird. And then as he was saying that, he was like genuinely becoming sad. Like genuinely, he's like, you can see in his face, he was really getting sad thinking about that. Now, does that mean that after that, he took every opportunity to appreciate the time he has with his brothers? So the next morning he wakes up, oh brother, I know that you won't be here with me forever. So let me enjoy your presence in my life now. No, that's not what happens at all. What I still hear very frequently, you're an idiot. You're the worst brother. I hate you. But at least for a brief moment, in his nine-year-old mind, he looked ahead to the day. He looked ahead to the day when he'll look back on everything in his life and see things differently. Now he looked ahead to the day when he'll one day look back on his life and see things differently. Oh, oh. I think that's what the Bible is telling us to realize. Because the, that day is coming. That day, one day, is coming when we'll see our present lives differently. A day is coming when what we saw partially, we'll be able to see fully. A day is coming when we'll realize, oh, that's what, that's what God so loved the world meant. Oh, I didn't know that's what so meant. That God so loved the world. Oh, that's the condemnation that God was saving me from. Oh, that's why God said, believe in Jesus. That's why God told me to turn away from darkness and turn to the light. A day is coming when faith will become reality. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So may we trust today. May we trust today in God's great love for us. Turn away from darkness and come to the light so that we might be saved through him. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the precious message of the gospel. We repent and we recognize that it's so difficult for us to just simply believe. Nothing in this world is like your promise. Nothing in this world is like your word. We're so used to being disappointed. We're so used to taking matters into our own hands. So difficult for us to simply believe in the trustworthy word of God. Help us to believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Help us to see the Son of Man lifted up on the cross. His sufferings for us. His resurrection and exaltation. Proving the trustworthiness of His word. And in that faith, help us to turn away from darkness, run to the light, uh, that our sins might be exposed and covered by the grace of the cross, that we might truly experience life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's pray together and uh, let's take strength and comfort in the realization that um, God is with us and we are not alone uh, trying to love God trying to follow God and um, trying to do uh, trying to be faithful under quarantine a lot of times by ourselves it's not easy a lot of distractions a lot of disappointments um, and uh could easily feel like we're just kind of coasting or not really thriving spiritually these days but let's take comfort in the fact that God is with us he knows us he know he's the one that knows the heart of man and uh, he strengthens us um, in his power that's what um, being born from above means Spirit is at work in the hearts of his people uh, to not only change us but to transform us by his power to enable us to, to follow him to be faithful to him so let's take strength in that reality and uh, depend on God even for this moment God help me uh, to love you more throughout this week just take a moment and pray and then I'll close us in prayer and benediction Father we thank you for your word and uh, we just pray that you would help us with eyes of faith to be able to see how we'll look at the present in the future. When all things are made clear, when we can see uh, not by faith but by sight, truly by sight, we'll see that all of our struggles were worth it, all of the fighting uh, was worth it. We'll see what you saved us from. We'll see what you saved us to. We'll see the beauty of Christ. We'll see the fullness of your love. Help us by faith to be able to see today what we'll see clearly in the future. And in the strength, in that strength, in that faith, help us to love you. Help us to live for you. Help us to cling on to Jesus. Depend. Pray. In that sense, seek to be Seek the, the born-again power of God every morning of our lives. So that we can be faithful in the strength that you provide. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
this incredible, unchanging covenant love of the Father God and the fellowship and the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever.